My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script. I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it. I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot. I even got a famous classic case of writer's block. Get it out of my head. Get it out of my head. Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me today, oh, just beaming and looking beautiful, <laughs> is Winori Cajillo. Hello, Winori. Oh, it's such a great pleasure to be here. I listen and listen and listen and <laughs> listen to the podcast. So I might skip this one because I don't often listen to my own voice. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't like <laughs> listening to my own voice. Yeah. It's been 600 of them. Um, okay, here. Here's the deal. Winuri Cahio. Oh, just, just, just really listen to this bio. It's incredible. She is a filmmaker, speaker, and science fiction writer. Her award-winning film, Rafiki, a same-sex love story about two girls, was the first Kenyan film to be invited to the Cannes Film Festival in 2018. The film was banned in Kenya. Congratulations. Thanks. After which, Wanori sued the Kenya Film Classification Board for the infringement of her constitutional rights to freedom of expression, and the case is on going. Winori speaks globally about freedom of expression and what she has termed Afro bubblegum, the advocacy for images of fun, fierce, and frivolous African images. She was also named, oh, you know, just like you are, Times 100 Next in 2019. And now I had the pleasure of teaching Winori in 2015 when she was part of a class of writers from all over Africa brought in by the production company Triggerfish to develop their animation projects. And you can hear her as part of podcast of a podcast episode with other writers from that program on episode 428. Now, as you can tell, Winori has blown up since then, but mm-hmm. I continue to have the pleasure of reading and consulting on her work. And today I get to podcast with her as well again. Yes. Yay. Yes. Actually, I remember the first time. Oh, but you know, we could not do it do that service. It was five minutes with you when I was like, Afro, what? And, um, <laughs> and it was what, um, at the end of that five day session, yeah. which was intense. It was intense, but it was wonderful. It was I so loved wonderful. doing that. I loved doing that. Yeah. There were writers from all over Africa and yeah. it was, yeah, it was so much fun, right? Yeah. And I think two of them have been picked up. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So do you keep in touch with any anybody? I keep in touch with Triggerfish, the production company that um, the the work was going through, and I hope to work with them again in the future. They're wonderful. They are wonderful. I, I just, you know, there was a point where I was like, I like this so much, I could stay. Uh-oh. <laughs> I better go home <laughs> right now. You're, you're a working mother. You know how that is. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, this is great. Oh, God, yeah, I've got kids. Yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> right now, my children are counting sleeps. They're like, you've been gone for three sleeps, mama. Oh, yeah. oh no. Yep. How old are they again? Five and seven. Five and seven. Yeah, let's get you home. It's time. But you're in LA doing all kinds of exciting things. Some things we can't talk about. That's how exciting they are. So I thought, let's, let's just dive in with what we can talk about. Yeah. I love 
the idea of Afro bubblegum. And you have been talking about this for, for years now. And it really is a term that you, of your own making, yes? Yeah, absolutely. I know you've t- probably talked about it to death, but I would love if, if people who are listening could, could understand your, your, your concept of that term. Sure. So um, just because of the place and, and the place I live, uh, often the stories coming out of there are so full of woe, so full of sorrow, so full of this idea of overcoming and strength and resilience, which is all true, all true, all true. And, but they're just not balanced out with as many stories about joy and frivolity and, and happiness and just and not in that way that you're like, oh, they're so poor, but they're so happy. <laughs> <laughs> you even have a, a Bechdel-like test. Yeah, I do. And tell everybody about that. So when we're measuring whether or not work is Afro bubblegum, we have a test that we that we go through, right? And it asks three questions: Are two more Africans in this piece sick or dying? Oh God! <laughs> Are they hopeless, helpless, or lost? Or are they in need of saving? Mm. And if the answer is yes to any of those questions, then the work is not Afro bubblegum. Got it. Got it. Now, is there also a tone? Because when I think bubblegum, well, you know. it doesn't. I mean, it is. It's frivolous and popish, and has no absolutely no relevance in in the world. Bubblegum does. You know what I mean? It's just. It's really something for your mouth to to do. <laughs> One thing I noticed when I was watching Rafiki is, even though you know there were some very you know, there was issues of um, homophobia and trying to be yourself and, you know, uh, your personal freedoms and the future of girls, mm. all those things. It was also rather pink and purple. It was very pink, but I wanted to tell that for, for sure when I was making Rafiki, I knew that I wanted to use color as part of the language of the film. Mm-hmm. And I wanted color to have its own journey. And when we did that, we were really kind of looking at the colors. Of, we, we, we had a, a rose palette from like a fresh rose to when it kind of wilts. Mm-hmm. And we used that as our color palette for the film so that the, 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 the world and the clothes that the girls were wearing were becoming like murkier and greener. But they started really fresh pink. They were. I mean, I was just so struck by the colors, and I thought, yeah. So this idea of of the the fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the whimsy, and as you said, fun, fierce, and frivolous. That mm. was still there, mm. even though we're talking about you know a, a movie that takes on a very important subject. Yeah, and I don't think joy is the absence of grief, though. Right. You know what I mean? I think that the, even even. Even when we're talking about joy, and even when we're telling stories that have joy in them, it doesn't mean that we shy away from the hard, the hardship of life, or the hardship, or the drama in story. It just needs, it just means it needs to be balanced. And for me, any film that I I tell has to be hope, has to have a hopeful ending, mm-hmm. and has to have joy at the center. Well, any love story naturally comes with it the idea of heartbreak right yeah at some point your heart is going to be broken even if something doesn't end there will be that moment where your heart is breaking yeah and and like you said it's not the absence of grief that's sort of built into a love story yeah (sighs) now also when i met you again this idea of sci-fi right Mm. um afrofuturism which you pointed out 
in uh, in, a, in one of your talks is would just be called futurism, right? <laughs> you know, like well, having to some, somehow sort of put it in a box was also getting annoying. Yeah. Um, but at the time, was something that you were talking about because science fiction wasn't something that people conventionally attributed to where you lived. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this idea of uh, Afrofuturism or African futurism, there was a, it, it was a new concept a while back. Mm-hmm. Now it's like all the rage, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was problematic at the beginning when I said, oh, I want to make a science fiction film where the main character is a, a curator in, an, in a natural virtual museum. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just, it just didn't feel, for people, it just didn't feel like that's, that would be a natural inclination for somebody who comes from where I come from to make a story like that, which is, which is a weird statement because imagination doesn't have any borders, you know? So I can just as easily imagine a futurist science world as anybody else in somewhere else. I think it would be flavored by my experiences and the people that I know and, and the places that I see. But that's the difference. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, these kind of stories have been, have always been told. Yeah. The, the right stories that deal with um, botany yeah. or, or animals, right? And that idea of, of taking science and creating something broad or fantastical with it, right, is, is science fiction. Mm. Right. It always has been. My, 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 my mother tells the most hilariously science fiction stories. <laughs> you know what I mean? She wouldn't call them science fiction, but that's, that's what they were. She is a pediatrician? She's a pediatrician with a very overactive imagination. So tell me one of the stories oh, she tells I mean, you. they're bad. Oh, I want to hear bad. Oh, they're so bad. Cool. Um, so there was, um, if you eat salt, uh-huh. if you eat salt, if you eat too much salt... All the blood from all your body rushes through, courses through your body upward in an upward motion, going through from, the, from your toes, going through your body to the top of your head, bursting out the top of your head and killing you instantly. <laughs> and then she called it high blood pressure. There you go. That's one way to stop eating salt. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the fact that you now know their stories. I, it took me a while. Yeah. It took me a while. Huh. I was deeply into my 20s when I was just like, I, I feel like that's a lie. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel like that's also a lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I love that she's a pediatrician. Yeah. Okay, just listen to me. Let me tell you a story. Yeah, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you the truth about science. <laughs> <laughs> now, as you... As you were, you know, becoming a filmmaker and finding your writing voice and your directing voice, were there particular films that influenced you? I was always drawn to small stories, stories that took place that were quite quite intimate. So if it's a biopic, like Capote was like one of my favorite biopics, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been following Alfonso Cuaron from like the giddy up. So his films were all- always drew me in mm-hmm. um, and the way he dealt with um, just per- characters and, 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 and how small yet how big they felt. 
That's interesting. Like how, how intimate the relationships were, but because of how it was set, it just became this rather a larger exploration on, about life and, and those people's lives. Uh, and again, I'm not giving anything away, but something I, I've been reading recently with you is exactly that, right? You've got oh. a very personal story yeah. against uh, an increasingly scarier backdrop, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is making this personal story more and more thrilling and yeah. scary, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I think that is how we grab onto these, yeah. these bigger things. Now, as we're talking, okay, as right before we got on mic, uh, when Nori was saying that LA had just been declared a coronavirus yeah. uh, hotspot. Yeah. Just today. Just today. So we're and, all um, living in a science fiction movie. We are really living in a science fiction movie. There you go. I mean, I've started, like, I'm, I've started going to meetings this week where people are not, they're like tapping elbows. Oh, yes. Have you seen that? Yeah. I mean, it's a new, isn't that interesting that we immediately create a new language yeah. with each other? We're just like, oh, so we can't shake, okay, tap elbows. You know, which could be one of the few positive things of the coronavirus because I hate hugging. I'm a oh, fi- really? I'm a five foot one person who hates hugging. I was fine hugging you because you're, you know, you're, you're petite. Yeah. You know, but I just, I feel like a nine year old reaching up and hugging people. <laughs> Everybody wants to hug you in LA. It's true. They can't do. can't stand it. It's I, just like, ugh. let's just. Yeah. So the tapping elbow. Give elbows. me your elbow. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. Oh yeah. Back to scripts. Sorry. Cause I could just sit here and talk to Winnery forever, but she has, she has other things to do. Um, so, so right now you are in LA I am taking meetings. Mm-hmm. I happen to know that you're balancing many projects at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you talk about? So there's a couple of things that were announced recently. So um, I'm currently adapting Wild Seed and co-writing it with Nadia Carrefour. And Wild Seed is a is a book written by Octavia Butler, and she's like truly one of my favorite writers. And this is my favorite book of hers. So it's it it's such a deep honor to be doing this work. So, so, like, I don't take it for granted one moment of, at any moment of, of the work that we're doing. And I think that it's, it's really interesting trying to straddle this idea of creating new work based on much-loved fiction, mm-hmm. but knowing that there's this things that you need to add to it to make, to make uh, the story make sense or to introduce the characters um, and just and hoping that it translates, you know? Um, but we're so excited about it. We're really excited about that work because um, Wild Seed is part of a book of, of, is part of a series of four books. And we're trying to figure out how to use the books to the best of the ability so we can tell the story in a really, just in, 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 in a way that would make Octavia proud. Truly, and um, the company that's behind this, and we're working with Juvie, which is Viola Davis's company. They're mm-hmm. the production company, and the studio is Amazon. It's so exciting! It's so exciting! And you said it's going to be a series. It is. It's a TV series. So you, with four books, it's there's wonderful. So, you have so much you can dip into so much. and keep things going. But even the first book, just the first book, Wild Seed in itself, has so many worlds because it's about long-lived people. It's about two immortals. Through, and how they love hate each other through time. It's like it's it takes you to so many different. Pla- you can do so much with that book. Now I got to 
uh, talked to to you and your writing partner. I was mm-hmm. now your writing partner is in Chicago. Is that yeah, right? she works in Chicago. She lives in works in Chicago. And we just had uh, two writing partners on who've, who've been together for a long time. I know that you uh, have written with her before. We yeah, have. Rafiki was you wrote with her, right? No, I didn't write oh, Rafiki no. with her. I wrote with somebody else. But okay. I have worked with Nadi for a while on different projects. And and uh, I'm sorry about that um, for for mixing that up. Um, so how when you're in Kenya yeah. and she's in Chicago, yeah. and sometimes you both have to be in LA. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what is your process for writing together? It's uh, it's exceptional. I haven't met anybody else like her. So we do a couple of things, and and I have more than one writing partner. And this is something that we've kind of established as how how we go. Mm. We try. We break story together. Mm-hmm. I find that it's always important to try and break story in the same space, mm-hmm. like physically in the same space, right? Yes. Um, and then once you've decided on that and you've decided more or less about the characters, not, you may not have nailed the voice, but you know who they are, you know their backstory, you know who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you've broken, down your, like, you've broken down your story into your act breaks mm-hmm. and, and very clearly know where they begin, at least where they come in and where they go out. Excellent. Right? You're making... making- this teacher's so proud. <laughs> yes. This is just, this is, this is learning. I feel like it's learning on the fly as well, right? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. You just, it, because sometimes you just dropped into projects and you're like, oh, yeah, uh, what, okay, sure, yeah, sure. I can do of that. Of course I can do no that. No problem. Yeah, let's just, oh, oh, we're doing it now? Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> so once we do the act breaks, um, we figure out who wants to write. And it's just a thing of, uh, oh, I really resonate with this, with this act i really resonate oh. with act two could i write it and then you just we just divvy up the acts mm-hmm. right yeah um and then go off into our corners and at that point you can be in different countries go off into your corners write your acts and then send them to one person one person puts both all of the the whole story together mm-hmm. and does the first pass of of streamlining it streamlining it sends it to the other person they do the second pass and you just until you're con- until you're both comfortable, mm-hmm. and then we send it in. But I'm interested in the fact that you're both writing an act at the same time. Different acts, yeah, yeah, yeah. So different acts at the same time. Yeah. What if you trade acts and the voice is completely different? Has that ever happened? No, really. So you guys really have. But also, I work with a different writer, and the same thing happened. Huh. But I think also what we do. I know what Nettie and I do is that we have a an, a, a running Google document mm-hmm. that has the treatment and, and the acts quite solidly broken down, almost to the point that they have no. It's it's almost everything except dialogue, mm-hmm. right? Right. That you can keep referring to, and then because sometimes as you're writing things change, right? So then you change it in the Google Docs mm-hmm. so that. She can see what's happening in real time, right? Because you can't do that with Final Draft yet. You can you can be online. Um, Final Draft has this thing, the collaboration, yeah, uh-huh. uh, tool, mm-hmm. but it only works if both of you are online at the same time. But once you're offline, you don't have access to oh. the. It's it's an annoying thing. I'm sure yeah. they'll fix it as a glitch. Please, hey, fix Final it. Draft, if you're listening, yeah, please fix it. Yeah, okay. Um, but Google Docs is uh, Google Docs is perfect. Wonderful. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, what I read, um, and I won't say what I read or when I read it, mm. but um, again, felt like one voice. That's what mm. I'm always looking for with partners. Mm. Um, and 
also you guys heard heard notes with one voice, which mm. is also equally important. Mm. You know, sometimes I'm I'm working with writing collaborations and there's that one person who's just got their arms folded in front of their chest mm. and then the other person is the people pleaser. It's mm. like this is not going to work, mm. you know? Mm. <laughs> this you're you're also showing me how you work. Mm. One person always gets their way or or right. refuses things. You know, everybody has to be open if you're if you're working together. You can't have any ego. Mm-hmm. And I think especially with Nettie, especially with Nettie and I, when we write, it comes to the point that we're not sure who wrote what. Mm-hmm. And it it just it we, it just melts, and then I'm just like, who did did you? That was a did I? You just you come you're just not sure who wrote what. When when mm. uh, could we see? Is Wild Sea going to be in development for a while? I have being no shopped idea. and all that stuff. Okay. No, it's with Amazon, so it's not going to be shopped. So, but so it if if they like our next kind of um, edits of the of the script. Mm-hmm. Then um, maybe I, I don't know what happens next. Actually, this is going to be so exciting, though. It when is going to be exciting. You have to let us know. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So yes, uh, yes, you know yes, what I yes. love is like certain things have been broken on this show, and I don't even realize they have been until I see them on TV, and I go, "Oh, wait a minute! I had that person on. Hold on! I just just um." That just happened recently. And of course, I'm forgetting the, the name of the show. It will come back to me. Yeah. I'm 100. Um, <laughs> so that's what you can talk about. Mm-hmm. Some stuff that you can't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you can talk about? Yeah. I've been attached to direct... Uh, it hasn't, the book hasn't been adapted yet, but the book is called The Black Kids. Mm-hmm. And it's a really great coming of age. But like really great coming of age <laughs> story about this young black woman, girl, who's, who lives in a very middle-class affluent, uh, with, with her family who's quite affluent. Um, and she goes to a very white school, but then starts, her mind starts to shift because all this is happening. Her life kind of unfolds as the L.A. riots start to take place and how she starts redefining race, identity. Wow. It's just also social class in a really interesting way. It's just, it's, an, it's a fantastic book. I'm so glad that, you know, I mean, I can't believe it's history now. Yeah. Because when I moved out here, it was right before the riots right. happened. And so for me, it was just, you know, being in my 20s. Yeah. But, but it's funny. I, I, I guess maybe because it was just... I was around for it. Mm. I didn't realize that people don't, some people don't even know about it. It's, it's so interesting oh, yeah. to me that like, it's, there's a generation, LA riots. What? You know? Right. So it's, 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 I'm glad that this is now being explored again and mm. will be on screen and, mm. and, and, and the idea of, of a coming of age story mm. sounds really cool. Mm. How old is, is, is your it's main a main character? character. She's about 16. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. And there was so much, well, there's always so much going on. Mm. But it, beca- it, it began or it reignited a discussion that everybody thought was dormant. Yeah. You know, everything's fine. Yeah. Every- oh, I guess it isn't. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we've, we've stayed having that discussion. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah, and it sometimes has accelerated. Yeah. Um, so you're 
adapting it and directing I'm, it? I'm not adapting it, luckily, on that okay. one. I'm just attached to direct, which okay. is wonderful. Um, because I really, really like directing. Um, and then the other project that I'm attached to direct is a is also another book called The Thing About Jellyfish. Uh-huh. Uh, but the script was written by Molly Smith Metzler, who's also an amazing screenwriter. Just the most amazing woman. In I heard an interview with her on NPR. I love I yeah. love that woman. Wow. Like, I deeply love that woman. And... Um, so that's yeah. So now we're we're trying to figure out how to put it together. Well, okay. So as a director, mm. like taking off your writer hat mm. and having to trust the writers that you're working with, mm. right? Mm. Um, how do you convey your own feelings um, about how they might adapt the material, or are you working with the ad- adaptation sort of case closed by the time you get it? No, I think that the first thing that you do is when you meet your writer, you just have really, as much as you can, have an in-depth conversation about who they are, even be- before you talk about the project. Hmm. Like who they are, what they believe. Like, And you get a sense of that. We've all been taught to be conversationalists. So you get a sense of who the person is quite early. And you get a sense of uh, what they like, what they don't like, and how strongly they believe something and how strongly. So you know what to argue for and you know what... At least you, you 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 know how you can start negotiating your gives, and and because it's going it's going to be a dance. How that's uh, that's fascinating. How do you go about having a conversation like that? Do you do it through the material, like you figuring can, out what they respond to in the material you helps you figure out what they're like. Yeah, you can, or you can just like just have a conversation, just. How are you? Who are you? What do you do? What do you do with your life? I would have no idea how to answer any of those questions. How am I? Who am I? <laughs> like, yeah, what, what do I do? What, what am I going to do what with is, my life? I don't is, know, man. But what is interesting to you this week? What is, what is your passion for this week? What's really exciting you about the work that you're doing? Got it. Just like those kind of conversations are really, I just, they're, they're quite important. Because if you're, especially if you're going into a relationship with a writer as a director, that's something that is... It's deep. It's 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 affirming. It's it's it can make it can make both your careers. It can break both your careers. It's it's something that is worth investing in. So, what do you do next? Once then we you talk. Have- then we talk about the material. Okay. Um, so, what do you think of the material? What do you think about this book, play, whatever that you're adapting, and and what do you see is problematic, and how do you think you want to solve it? And you listen, mm-hmm. and then you say, "Well, I think also." And you and you add, right? It's not. It's not. No. no it's. It's not. No. Yes. And it's yes. And <laughs> because at that point you're also just trying out ideas. It's nothing is written yet. Mm-hmm. You're just trying out ideas. And I was thinking, what if? Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, um, what I really like and what I would really like to see. Um, and and that's, it's 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 really that. And then you check in. Once and then after that, check in on your people. Like, just check in on your writers and just be like, "Oh, how's it going? How are you feeling?" How, and not even not even to push them for, "Do you have pages for me?" Mm-hmm. Just, "I'm here." Mm-hmm. I really like to talk about story too as a director, so you can bounce things please, off. If please you're stuck. do bounce things off me. Um, I would love to listen and just and react. So, uh, 
do you ask for first drafts and give notes at that point, or do you? Is that something the producer usually takes over? And then- I prefer to. I prefer because I prefer to be the united front mm. with the writer before the producer. So, so representing that vision or being representing okay about that, the vision. Yes, absolutely. And also so that you know that you have a team. Because going into these spaces, you can feel very lonely and very um, just not held mm-hmm. and not supported. And I always find it's easier to speak as a we. Mm-hmm. So if there's any point that the creative team can work as a we, it's better for, I just find it better for the whole project. So that way too, a producer can't go, well, you know, the director is yeah. not going to like this particular no. thing. Don't get pulled into those things because it's the creative vision should lie with the writer and the director. Okay. Well, I'm fascinated with this because I, um, you know, di- writing, I think I know a little about directing. I know nothing. So, um, now uh, the script is finished. Mm. Now what do you do? Well, I mean, at that point, you've been having conversations with the director and they've, they've gone to the studios with it. By this, by this point, you're getting studio uh, notes mm-hmm. um, and, and, and they can be very tame or they can be quite gutting, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and that's then what you work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get into the business of production, now, how do you like to break down a script? We talked about, with Rafiki, the, the use of color. Right? Mm. So here you are. Let's say it's a, a bigger project mm-hmm. than that. Let's say mm-hmm. it's not, you know, two girls. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say it's, um, I don't know, a battle scene, mm-hmm. you know, a, a battle movie mm-hmm. or something really, really big. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Well, uh, first, a battle scene is never a battle scene. Ah. A battle scene has a point and it has an emotional core. Mm-hmm. So figure that out first in your scene. Like read your scene and understand what is it really saying? What is it saying about your character? And how, is it, how can you best say what it's trying to say about your character? So as a director, mm-hmm. once you've figured out the emotional core mm-hmm. of a scene, mm-hmm. what would you make a note of as far as the filming part goes? Well, if it's a scene, so if it's a battle scene and it's an introduction to a character, Mm -hmm. right? Because you want to see how badass this character is Mm -hmm. and you want to see how badass the antagonist is because you want to establish that your character is strong and therefore you want to establish a big bad person. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're doing the introduction of the character, you figure out how is the best way to highlight her flaws, and her strengths and how are we going to love her? Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you how do you how do you do that first? Mm-hmm. I tend to when I'm making films about a particular genre, I become obsessed with that genre. So I would only watch battle films and mm-hmm. war films and and um, and really watch action sequences mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over and listen to director's commentaries on, on everything, right? Um, and then you start to figure out how you want to shoot it, how you, how you see it, how you envision it. And it and, but the scene will tell you because if it's an introduction scene, you know that you're not, if it's an introduction of your main character, you're not going to spend your time shooting a lot of other characters. Mm-hmm. You're going to see how your main character is battling and how they're reacting to the battle. And you're going to focus in on that. And so your camera movement will be directed by your main character, you know? 
Um, but because it's an introduction, you also know that you're introducing the world. And, you know, so you, you figure that out as well. And you, you start to look for films that do that. It, it is interesting. Point of view, um, you know, I used to give people notes, but I only recently have realized, like, sometimes I'm asking people to step out of a sp- certain point of view. Mm. Like, well, I am tired mm. of coming in through your main character's eyes in this. Let's come in through your antagonist's Absolutely. eyes at the beginning of a scene, and then we'll go in, you know, of mm. course it will, the, the main character will be there. But just to sort of change focus for a second, um, to, to create a little surprise, mm-hmm. to also humanize maybe that antagonist, antagonist for a second. What are they seeing and how are they seeing it? Mm-hmm. Um, but just, just to, you know, to change things up. Yeah. And I guess that's what you're talking about as far as, but it is your main character story. So through their point of view, mm-hmm. at least in the beginning, mm-hmm. right? How, what would you lay eyes on with mm-hmm. your camera to, mm-hmm. to convey that? But also you tell the story of, of your protagonist by how people react to them. Mm. So you have to see how other people react to them. How do the bad guys react to them? How do the people in their team react to them? How do they, like, you, you also, there's, there's a lot that can be said about a character from exactly what you're saying, from somebody else's point of view. Do you like working with actors? I love working with actors. I love it more than anything. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's, 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 it's my strength. Do you rehearse with your actors or Mm. do you just see what they do? No. Um, but rehearsals are different depending on, 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 on what the work is Mm -hmm. and who the actor is. Mm -hmm. My first, it's again, it's like meeting writers. The first thing that I do is I talk about, I get quite deep and intimate with my actors. Uh, the first time I meet them, especially if we're if we're going into a film that has I don't know a love scene in it, mm-hmm. like we'll talk about sex, and mm-hmm. that will be one of our first conversations. How you come, you know, just and not in a not in a in a crude way, mm-hmm. but just what are your opinions about it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How comfortable are you having the conversation about it? Right, especially. because that's going to that's going to also affect how you direct on set and how you approach your actor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so we talk about we talk in general about whatever the the themes mm-hmm. and how the themes relate to their own life. So you're interested in casting somebody who can be a reflection of the character. Nope. Then no, no, I just I'm I'm interested in casting people who have an opinion. Ah, yeah, cool. It it doesn't have because that's what actors do. This there'll be times when they they're completely outside of their experience, but we have limited. We're, we're finite. Mm-hmm. We have limited um, emotional ranges, mm-hmm. and we just need to figure out what to tap into most times. So or, if, you, if you've talked to somebody pre-acting, mm-hmm. then as they're acting, mm-hmm. you can tap back into who mm-hmm. you know they are, mm-hmm. or experiences they've mm-hmm. had, or emotions they feel. Or movies they've watched. That's ah. a thing. That's a thing. Remember this scene in this? Remember mm-hmm. that play in this? You know what I mean? Remember how in Death of a Salesman, this person reacted to this person? Right. Um, yeah. It's, you, you find other ways of feeding, that, of feeding that emotion. Is there anything... I mean, you're so on the brink of this huge career. You're in the middle of a, of a huge career, um, but you're on the brink of... I am at the door knocking. Huge, hugeness within this huge career. Um, uh, what, is there anything you're scared of? I mean... Just family. Oh, <laughs> just ba- trying to figure out how to balance family and career. I know what I want to do. I'm really passionate in the work that I do, 
but I have two children and a husband who do not live in this country. Right. Um, and figuring out how that's going to work. That's actually the only fear I have my, about my career is that. I get that. Yeah. I do. I do. And again, you know, <laughs> what's happening in the world is also going to force us to have yeah. to figure out how to work more virtually yeah. together. Yeah. You know, um, which, you know, again, not wishing this on anything, but, yeah. but you know, we're, there is a lot of communication we can do virtually. You mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to be in the room in mm-hmm. L.A. Mm-hmm. You can create the material. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you found meetings? You are out in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that you've been learning? You, as we, we mm-hmm. talked about, you're always learning on the job, You're right? always learning on the job. So... I mean, last time I saw you in person was five years ago. You were just a punk. I know. And you're like in this fabulous outfit. You just took a meeting. So over those five years, what what have you learned about like L.A. and Hollywood that you didn't expect or that people should know? Oh, somebody gave me some really some really great advice. They said that you're always five meeting you're always five meetings from booking any job. What does that mean? Meaning, when you go in for your first meeting, mm-hmm. all you're trying to do is book your second. <laughs> all you're trying to do is book your second. And at your second? And your second, you try and book your third. Oh. And you keep on, like, and by the time you're, you're getting into your fifth meeting, you're a serious contender. Mm-hmm. But before that, they're really just getting to know you and you're just doing the song and the dance. It shouldn't be taken as seriously as, say, meetings four and five. But at every meeting, I try and give new information about the project that I hadn't said, before, that I hadn't said in the previous meeting or uh. new ideas or new visions or new... You know what I mean? Um, but you're, that's, that, that has been really, really helpful because sometimes you meet... Uh, and because it's LA and everybody's like, oh schmooze and glamour you know what I mean and they're just like you're wonderful you're awesome you're epic <laughs> you know what I mean yeah but if they don't book another meeting right you're not that wonderful or but, epic so don't rush out feeling like you've booked the job after the first meeting mm-hmm. that makes sense that makes sense because maybe all they want to know is that you're wonderful yeah it is a general yeah maybe yeah and well, it, you thought it might it not even for, be a general an assignment it might not even be a general it turned into a general <laughs> Even yeah, exactly. It could be you could have been you could have gone for a particular project, mm-hmm. and your first meeting is is always a general. It doesn't matter. You, it, your first meeting, it's just it's five meetings. You just have to pace yourself. What I liked about what you said about always bringing something new about the project. So when we're talking about pitching for either adapting a project as a writer or directing an existing project, you have to come in and say, yes, this thing exists, and here's my take on it, mm-hmm. right? Here's my angle on mm-hmm. it. Um, and is, also here, this is the way that we can solve some of the problems that are already inherent in the script. Have you ever brought work. something up where you go, this is, uh, let's solve this problem, and they're like, we didn't know that was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's happened. What, so what happens when... Um, first, you have to decide if it's a problem worth pursuing because sometimes problems scare off people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's, if it's deeply worth pursuing, then pursue it and have mm-hmm. great solutions for it. Yes, I think... And I don't call them problems anymore in, in meetings. I call them opportunities. Ah, there's yeah. an opportunity here to exactly. expand the character by exactly. or to refresh the third exactly. act or when 
I love opportunities yeah. rather than problems. I, I don't, I, I never, I actually never use any negative language in my pitches. Sweet. Yeah. That's really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think sometimes when people go in that are brand new and they're there to adapt a project or people want their, their take on something, they start by telling the story that everybody knows mm. already. Um, mm. I, the advice I give, and I don't know if this, this is how you do it, is I usually say, okay, you have to come in and say, I can see why you took on this project mm -hmm. because of these positive things that mm -hmm. are in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really picking up on mm -hmm. this theme mm -hmm. or this character mm -hmm. or this journey, mm -hmm. and that is mm -hmm. what I want to run with. Mm -hmm. is, so it's that idea of I get it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. let's do more of this. Mm -hmm. Is that what you do or do you have other things that you I do? I do that. I do, I do a version of that. I say, oh, I love this script because it's about theme mm -hmm. and theme, theme. Right, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I love that the characters are doing action, action, action that leads to an uh, arc. I love that. I'm going to write that down as a new Mad Lib. I love it because of theme, theme, and that characters are doing action, action that leads to a new arc. Yeah, that leads to their arc X and define their arc. Excellent. So you say, look, I get it. Yeah. And now yeah. you can go and, into... And, then, and, and why it really resonates with me is because uh -huh. such and such and such. Mm, interesting. You know, that's so smart because I think everybody who has a project, no matter how uh, popcorn it is, yeah. wants to believe it's about something very big. Oh, if yeah. you capture the themes right away, yeah. they are like, yes, bravo. That's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. You're so smart. I am not. I'm you so learning. You are smart. This, this is, is all, and some of this cool. is super fast learning because you just, like I made Rafiki and in Cannes I started taking meetings. Like, like right out of the theater, I was taking meetings with production companies. That's why, that's where my agents found me. They found me in Cannes. So I was just like, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, you dropped in it. You mm -hmm. dropped, you, people send you scripts in Cannes for you to read in a day, turn around and have notes for them the next day so that you can meet the business partner who's in town only for one night and really wants, is really looking for a director for this project. It's such a, it's such a crazy, so you learn how to, to kind of like be very quick on your feet about thinking story and talking story. So it really helps to read about genres as well. Because then when you're able to identify a genre, you're just like, oh, this is a thriller. Okay, Gen thriller tropes have such and such and such and such. Mm -hmm. So I see where you're going with this. It may, it, you may have the opportunity to introduce this because this is very much of this type of genre. Hmm. Um, and they love that. Well, that's great because they always are trying to bring out the genre more yeah. because often that is the problem yeah. is that it's, it's wishy-washy. Yeah. It's sort of living between genres. It doesn't know what it is yeah. yet. And if you say, I want to make it even more thrilling yeah. or scarier yeah. or whatever, yeah. that's wonderful. Okay. Dream, dream project. Yeah. So, cause look at what you did in five years, man. Yeah. Let's, let's, I'm going to do that boring, like five years from now. <laughs> Uh, anything um, that you wish you would have done or be in the middle of? I mean, I would love to do more fantasy and science fiction. I'd love to have some of the projects that we're writing off the ground. Mm -hmm. 
um, and actually um, as 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 a as a series mm-hmm. that an ongoing series, I would love that more than anything. So in five years from now, we have um, two or three TV shows. Sweet, um, and um, I would be directing one or two films. Well, that's going to happen Inshallah. for sure. I hope so. For sure. Look at all that's happened since. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. Where do you want to point people? You have a wonderful website where they can I do. see your speaking and stuff. Can can you tell people about that? Yeah. Uh, my website is wanurikahio.com. W-A-N-U-R-I. Kahio, uh, K-A-H-I-U.com. Um, I think that's the easiest way. I've, I've taken a, a year off um, inter- internets and social media. So I ha- my my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle is at Winuri W A N U R I, but I'm I'm taking a break. Good for you. Mm. Good for you. Look, anything that you want to know about Winuri, you can see on that website yep. because it connects to her films, it connects to her speaking, and you know, listen to one of her TED talks, you will immediately get a different way to tell story, and also there's this sense of like. Oh, yeah, of course. Why not? You know? Um, I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv. Um, I just talked to my friend Melissa Casera, and she was like, you have to let people know more about your newsletters. So I'm going to let everybody know about them, okay? Because in the newsletter, I usually include some kind of handout that can be really helpful. For example, in some of the newsletters, there's been 10 ways to logline. There's been things about writing trends. There were, you know, all the lazy screenwriting things. If you just sign up for the newsletter, immediately I will shoot you the handout that goes with the lazy TV writing podcast. That's how, if even if you're feeling lazy, you can brainstorm and outline a TV pilot very quickly without tearing your hair out. So do get on that newsletter and also check out the in-person classes here in LA or online. I've got to get better at this. She told me to write a script and I didn't do it, <laughs> but I'm going to. That was good. <laughs> Baby step. That was good. <laughs> Thank you again to Anuri Kahuyo for being here. You are amazing. Oh, bless. Thank you. you. You're so cool. Oh, thank you. Uh, I wish you didn't have to go home. I'm glad you get to I'm go glad back. I'm going home. There's yes. no coronavirus in yes. Kenya. Yes, yes, that is true. That is true. Uh, but when this is all passed and you're back in LA, let's hang out again, okay? Absolutely. Thanks to all of you for listening as well. Have a good writing week. 